I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Tate, taking you through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So today we have an awesome show lined up. This is episode number 19, which means we are going to fly through volume 19 of Nintendo Power. That is actually the last issue of 1990, and it's also the last numbered strategy guide. So you might have noticed uh, we've ran through a couple strategy guides so far, Ninja Gaiden 2, Final Fantasy, we did Super Mario Brothers 3. Those were all official numbered issues of Nintendo Power. So after this, uh, Nintendo Power will continue to produce these fantastic high quality strategy guides, but they are available outside of the main numbered issues. So this is the last one that's officially numbered. After this, we'll have the monthly issues, which is pretty exciting. Uh, But before we dive in, I have a quick podcast announcement. So if you missed it earlier this week, I mentioned that I'm taking the summer off from the formal research episodes, and I'm kicking off what I'm calling the summer of streaming. And this means that the content is going to shift over from uh, some of the more researched episodes over to some more casual interview episodes. I'm lining up some great guests for the show, which I'm really excited about. Uh, weekly streaming on Twitch is a new thing that I'm going to introduce. All games that we discussed in the first 18 episodes of Power Time. So I'm going to be going back and playing all those retro Nintendo games on Twitch. Uh, the games that I never had a chance to play and explore as a kid or when I was researching these episodes. Uh, If you follow along all summer, you'll also have a chance to vote on which games that I play. So you can be super cool. You can vote for for fun games that I'm going to enjoy playing, or you can be super cruel and you can make me suffer through some of those not so fun games. Uh, The other thing that I plan to do is move the archive of episodes over to YouTube so the YouTube audience can enjoy those shows over there as well. I'm really, really excited about all of this. I think it's going to be a fun summer and I hope that you join me. Uh, You can do so by subscribing to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You can subscribe through your favorite podcast listening app, or you can just hang out with me uh, in Discord. If you want to hang out with me in Discord, it's a chat room where I'll be uh, spending my summer uh, just talking with listeners of the show. Right now, it's just me, Uh, but you can go over to powertimepodcast.com slash Discord. You can be the lucky uh, person to join in. I promise that it won't be super awkward, uh, just a place to talk about the best Nintendo games, uh, the games that I should be playing, the games that you are playing, uh, and also our favorite Nintendo music. So I mentioned in the last episode, I listen to retro gaming music all day at work, uh, and I'm always stumbling upon new and exciting releases, uh, older releases, newer artists who are putting out great music, and I like to share that with people. Uh, So I'll do that there as well. So that's that. That's going to cover the announcement uh, if you have any feedback, you can let me know on Twitter at Yo Power Time, Y-O Power Time, best way to get in touch with me. But we're going to jump right into this episode because I have some cool things lined up. Uh, we're going to start by checking out the cover of Volume 19, which is the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide. And this is the four-player extra 
team up for powerful, powerful fun strategy guide. So what we have here in, on this cover, uh, this cover is super, super 90s. We have four uh, generic football players. It's kind of a top-down view, so we see the tops of their helmets. They're all holding Nintendo controllers, and they're gathered around kind of a floating uh, rounded corner rectangle, which shows a screenshot from NES Play Action Football. And the thing that makes this super 90s is they are floating in space. They are floating in space, and uh, the football is floating in space. There's a goalpost floating in space. And in the top right corner of the, this image, uh, we have the NES. Uh, looks like the NES satellite floating in space as well. And the NES satellite we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, that is the peripheral that allows you to hook up four controllers to your NES and play compatible four-player games. So this issue is going to focus on games that support it for players. Uh, of course, we have the Nintendo Seal of Quality, uh, play-to-win strategy guides straight from the pros, still $3.50 in the United States, and still $4.50 in Canada. Opening up this issue, uh, looking at the table of contents, of course, it's just going to be four-player games. Uh, we have NES Play Action Football, Gauntlet 2, Nintendo World Cup, Swords and Serpents, and Super Spike Volleyball. Uh, we also have Ivan Ironman Stewart's Super Off-Road, which was a pretty cool game. I remember that one. And then a four-player roundup, which is a bunch of mini uh, notes about, looks like six or seven other games, which we'll cover quickly. Uh, and of course, we have the staff. Uh, I always keep an eye on the staff. I like to I like to keep an eye on when people drop off. So there's a lot of popular names in Nintendo history. Gail Tilden. Of course, uh, Howard Phillips, and I'm always curious when people pop up and when they drop off. So I'll keep you posted if I see anything interesting, nothing interesting in this. Uh, so to dive into four-player action, you'll need a four-player adapter like the NES Satellite or NES 4Score. This is how they open up the issue. Choose any of the special four-player game packs already available. You also need four NES Fanatic friends and four controllers. Uh, so you need it a lot to play with four players. And I have this suspicion that this was a ploy to sell more of these four-player adapters uh, like the Satellite and like the Four Score to sell more four-player games right around the holidays uh, because this issue probably came out uh, late November, maybe mid-November. It is the December issue, but it probably came out earlier in the fall. And I'm thinking... They drummed up enough interest and they sold enough of these four-player adapters. Imagine what every Christmas day looked like uh, for these uh, four players around the globe, right? Uh, anybody who celebrated the holidays and received this, I could only imagine what their house looked like having four people gathered around the TV playing Nintendo. That's great publicity for Nintendo and bound to move even more consoles and drum up more interest in more consoles. Kind of reminds me of what Wii was like. Uh, when the Wii uh, sports phenomenon kind of took hold and so many people were gathered around the TV, people who were not gamers, learning about Nintendo and learning about the Wii. And I'm sure uh, that something similar happened if they managed to sell a ton of these. So the NES satellite, uh, it was remote controlled. It was wireless four-player action. Uh, the NES 4 score had a lot of the similar features. It had turbo buttons, uh, but it was not wireless. It was wired. It required you to plug into both ports of uh, the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System controller ports. 
So the next page that I turn to, I really uh, love this. This is the five four-player gaming ground rules for fun. Number one, make sure everyone is comfortable and has an unobstructed view of the screen. Your four-player gaming sessions are likely to be four times as long as a regular gaming marathon. Number two, if you're playing a game with teams, strategize plays with your teammate before the game begins. If all four of you are all working together, talk over teamwork. Number three, continue communicating with your teammate or partners during play. Even the best laid plans may be foiled, so don't get frustrated with your teammate. Number four, rotate team members every so often, especially if one team is dominating the other. And number five, make sure everyone understands the rules before you start a game. Play a few practice games before you start one that counts. Quotations. And most important of all, have fun. So this is awesome. I I remember so many sessions where one team definitely did dominate the other and we did not uh, rotate team members. And that was that was pretty awful. You know, kids can be awful. Uh, then after this uh, section of introducing how do you play four player games and uh, these five rules, we roll right into the games themselves. So I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. We have NES play action football, uh, which introduces some four player football action. Uh, this strategy guide runs through tips for each of the teams. After that, we have Gauntlet 2 from Atari. Uh, Gauntlet 2, of course, was a dungeon crawler. Uh, it was a hack and slash game. It was a great game. Uh, it was released by Atari, and it was on so many platforms. Uh, and it was one of those games that was just perfect for four players. Uh, so you had to work together. Uh, and if you decided you didn't want to work together, there's a section here called friends or foe. Be careful of hitting your friends. Your shots will damage other adventurers in your party in this level. So be careful. The best strategy is to spread out. So there's less chance of hitting one another. We'll talk about this in a little bit in this episode, but games where you could harm your cooperative partners or your friends, uh, those were very interesting games. They got very interesting, very, very quickly. Uh, So in Gauntlet 2, you have to find keys, you have to open doors, you have to avoid or defeat enemies. It gets a little chaotic at times. Uh, There's some details here on how to defeat certain bosses, such as the dragon, uh, certain enemies. There's also a secret room to find. Uh, They don't explicitly tell you how to find it, but it's pretty obvious they point to where to go. Uh, And uh, after this, we have Nintendo World Cup Soccer from Technos. Uh, Each page here goes over the strengths and weaknesses of the teams, uh, swords and serpent by acclaim. So a shadowed maze conceals an ancient evil. Never heard of this game. Where the serpent came from, nobody knows, and its very presence in the land spells chaos. Countless are those who sought and failed to rid the world of this menace. Stealing into the labyrinth home of the serpent, armed with sharp steel and rumors and hope. Now another four will take the challenge. A quest of four the fate of all. So this uh, is another dungeon crawler. This one looks really bizarre. I've never heard of it. Uh, More of a maze crawler, it seems. If anyone played this, uh, if anyone has played Swords and Serpents by Acclaim, uh, I'd love to know if it's worth trying out. You can tweet me at YoPowerTime on Twitter. Uh, Just give me a quick tweet and tell me that I should play this game, and I definitely will. After that, we have another Technos game. This is Super V-Ball or Super Volleyball, uh, a classic game. Uh, and we have uh, Iron, Ivan Ironman's, this is such a mouthful, Ivan Ironman's Stewart's, Ivan Ironman Stewart's Super Off-Road. Sorry. 
this looks like RC Pro-Am. And I definitely remember I've played this game before. So four-player RC Pro-Am style racing game, that is awesome. And if I had the ability to play NES with four players, if I had one of these peripherals, I definitely feel like this is one of the games that I would be playing a ton because I played so much RC Pro-Am as a kid. So after that, uh, that, that, that concludes kind of the main uh, roundup of games. And then they just go and talk about a bunch of other games just to show you that there's more titles to choose from if you'd like. There's Kings of the Beach, which is another uh, volleyball game. There's Spot, which I believe was Othello, uh, featuring the 7-Up franchise character Spot. Top players Tennis, Magic Johnson's Fast Break, Championship Bowling, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, and the final game is Mule, M-U-L-E. I have no idea what that game's about as well. So I'm going to do some digging uh, into some of these games. If they have one-player options, I might consider trying some of these as well. So there are a handful of games that you can play with uh, four players with using the satellite or the four score. Now, here's here's the deal. I, I didn't have any of this stuff. Uh, I didn't have uh, the NES uh, satellite, and I did not have the four score. Uh, and I really didn't have four friends. I didn't have any friends. Well, that's not true. I'm just joking. Um, I had friends, but we all gathered around and played two-player games because none of us had uh, the satellite or the four score. Um, and I didn't know anyone who did. I didn't have any friends or family members who had this. Uh, so I really never played a four-player NES game, to be 100% honest. I don't think I've ever played uh, a game using one of these multi-taps. Uh, and I wanted to dig into this show though. And I wanted to go a bit broader. I wanted to talk about uh, some stories and I wanted to talk about some memories of playing the NES. Uh, but I wanted to just talk about just the co-op experience in general, whether you're playing two players, whether you're playing one player with a bunch of people behind you. Uh, so I posted on Reddit. And one of the questions that I asked on Reddit uh, was what are your best multiplayer memories from back in the day? So for me, it was actually playing bubble bobble with my mom. It was one of the only games that she liked to play. I remember I was in half-day kindergarten when we got our NES. I'd come home from school. I'd eat some buttered toast with SpaghettiOs. I don't know why, but that was like my go-to lunch. Uh, I would watch David the Gnome, if anyone remembers that. Uh, and then I would play Bubble Bobble with my mom for what felt like hours. It felt like such a long time. But in reality, it was probably only like 40 minutes. Um, my other favorite memory, and I've mentioned this on the show before, was playing Chip and Dale because that was a co-op that you could play at the same time. Uh, I would play that with my older sister, and it was uh, one of the, those only simultaneous co-op games at the time that we owned. Uh, and we got so good at that game. Uh, we ended up just kind of plowing through that game really fast uh, because we, we pretty much memorized everything that we needed to do uh, to the button press. So we're going to take a quick musical break. I'm going to play a track from The Advantage, uh, and it's one of the games that we're going to hear about in just a little bit. And this is from Double Dragon 2 Mission 5.
I'm going to share some of the other memories that were shared with me on Reddit. And uh, I went out and I contacted each of these Reddit users just to make sure that I had permission to share their stories. And everyone was pretty cool. And they said, yes. So the first story uh, features some games that I've never had a chance to play. Uh, so I was excited to hear this one, some rarities. And this was from uh, Reddit user Hermod. My cousin and I used to play Monsters in My Pocket so much that we beat it on our third week of renting it from our local Shell station. Ours used to rent NES games along with movies. We originally picked it up because we were into the toy craze and it ended up being a really solid platformer. Player one was Dracula and player two was Frankenstein. You played as one-inch toys fighting through other famous movie monsters through gigantic kitchens, living rooms, and even up a chain-link fence at one point. The game really cemented my love for the setting from a toy's perspective. Since then, I've really enjoyed the Army Men games, Chibi Robo, and even the Half-Life 2 multiplayer map sticks out for me. Uh, so this one I love. Thank you for sharing that, Hermod. Uh, I remember the Monsters in, in My Pocket franchise, but I didn't have this game or I never played this game. Uh, two things. I think it's awesome that your shell station used to rent NES games and also movies. And the other thing, too, that uh, I wanted to mention is if you haven't played Mario Kart 8 on Wii U or the Nintendo Switch, uh, I've been playing through the Nintendo Switch version and they have a really great track from the toy's perspective uh, in a children's bedroom. And I love that that setting. I love that level. So uh, I also have a love for games like Ar- the Army Men games. Uh, I had never played the Half-Life 2 multiplayer map, uh, but I'll definitely check out some of these uh, games that you mentioned here as well. Uh, next, we have Lyndon Sluage, who writes in Contra, period, Contra. Didn't matter who it was with. The waterfall stage always turned into a race to the top, usually resulting in one player dying over and over again. Uh, good times. Yes, uh, I remember Contra so fondly as a two-player experience as well. My next-door neighbor had it. And every time I hear that iconic uh, first stage music, uh, I immediately go back to sitting in my neighbor's living room uh, and just playing Contra two players. Uh, And and like you said, uh, racing throughout the game. Thank you so much for sharing that. Next, we have, uh, I think this was the most popular comment. This is from Jman419. Jman writes, In River City Ransom, the best option was often to run in and kick the out of your friend so you could run away while they were dead and blinking. Sure, they'd lose half their money, but you wouldn't lose everything trying to save them. Uh, So River City Ransom, absolutely one of the best uh, co-op games. Juggalo uh, Mason responded to J-Man and mentioned this. My best friend and I would go into Sherman Park, kill all the mobs, then grab rocks and chains and fight to the death. Good times. Uh, And then J-Man wrote back to me. He said, part of it is just how fun it was just to beat up your friends sometimes. But when you're making a push to complete the game, River City Ransom's PVP still comes into play sometimes. You might have to mercy kill your partner to get out of a bad situation, or you might end up as the sacrifice. When you're making a strategic drive back to town and you both have low health and someone just gets caught in a fight and they're likely to lose, you can't just stand around on screen waiting to see if they make it, waiting to get jumped. 
So I definitely agree that it was a lot of fun in these games, these arcade style games where you can beat up your friends. Uh, I remember it resulted for me in a lot of real world quarrels uh, where I just wasn't getting along with my friends because we were consistently doing this. Uh, But yes, I agree that there's a strategy to it as well in certain games where you might want to do this. Um, So J-Man and Juggalo Mason, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts on River City Ransom. Up next, we have a Quadrascan who wrote to me that there are two that stick out for whatever reason that I'll share. One of my earliest NES multiplayer memories was with a neighbor friend who got his NES way before I did and had a good selection of games. He had several of the early sports games, like the black box ones, and those were a lot of fun. But the first track and field one, uh, the first track and field I remember in particular, because we would get really competitive in the different events. For the sprinting games, we used the trick where we uh, used the fabric of our shirt to rub our finger back and forth across the A and B buttons to hit max speed. Uh, these were the days before turbo buttons. My other memory that sticks out, just because it was so odd, was the dragon uh, was with Dragon Warrior and a friend of mine from school. Since Dragon Warrior wasn't the most exciting thing to play when you got together with friends, one of us would man the controller while the other would act out the battles. We would do things like pretend to swing an imaginary sword or pretend we were the monster getting beat up. We were weird. Uh, I love this. Thank you so much for sharing this. And we're going to read another uh, memory as well where acting out what was happening in the game was definitely a component. And I remember doing this as well. I remember having a few of my friends play one-player experiences like some of the the original Ninja Turtles, for example. And I remember acting out uh, some of it while one of my friends played Turtles 1, which was a single-player experience. Uh, so yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, t- tips and tricks for Track and Field 1. Uh, definitely remember that as well. Up next, we have uh, Tiret Point Underscore, uh, who writes, there were a lot of multiplayer games, but only a few of them were simultaneous. So if I have to pick one game, I definitely choose Double Dragon 2. The game was wonderful and still is, and I remember playing it with several friends, my brother trying to go through each levels, beat the enemies and the bosses. The graphics, the level design, and the mood were excellent, and the music was so lively. Still one of my favorite games today. I play it regularly. Uh, Definitely agree. Thank you for sharing that. And we chose to play some Double Dragon 2 from the Advantage earlier, uh, just because I agree the music in that game is fantastic. Up next, we have another one uh, where acting out what was happening uh, in the game was a part of the experience. Uh, This comes from Kroll the King. I really appreciate this one. My brother and I shared a room and had twin beds on either side of the TV, and we would play Black Bass. We would pretend our beds were boats and switch who got the controller after each fish landed. Good times. I love when the video game experience, even when the graphics, you know, were 8-bit, right? When we had 8-bit graphics, I love when the experience was so immersive that you would do things like this. Because I remember doing this too. Uh, Not necessarily pretending that the beds were boats, but I just remember, you know, creating basement forts and really trying to get into the game. Uh, And I think that is part of the magic of the NES. And then finally, the last memory that I'll share is from Roop. There it is. Uh, And this is, I remember renting Blades of Steel and discovering that you could get into fights and that the winner of the fight stayed out of the penalty box, no matter who started it. God, that game was awesome. I can still hear the voice synth 
Blades of Steel. Ching. Yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing this memory. Uh, any sports game was definitely a fun multiplayer experience, but that fighting element in Blades of Steel was so awesome. And I, I loved it because it kind of took you off screen. The fight started on the ice and then it took you off the ice and it was kind of a uh, you know two-player close-up of the actual fight. And it was a lot of button mashing, if I remember correctly. I don't remember if there was much skill to it, but uh, may the best button masher win, I guess. So there are so many awesome memories. If you want to share more, definitely feel free to do so. Uh, maybe during the summer of streaming, I will revisit some NES memories and uh, be able to share some more stories. So you can do that by going to powertimepodcast.com slash contact. There's a contact form if you want to leave me a story or a note. Uh, and I will also leave the Reddit link in the show notes for this. If you want to go back to that Reddit post, read a few more, post a few more, uh, you can definitely do that. So thank you to everyone who shared those stories. I'm really, really pumped as well to line up some interviews for the summer to talk Nintendo with various people uh, and just get more of these memories and more of these stories out there because I think that uh, it's it's so relatable. I think we all had so many similar experiences uh, and it's fun. It's, it's just a lot of fun for me and hopefully for listeners out there to reminisce kind of go back in the uh, the time capsule and remember what it was like to play these 8-bit consoles. So up next week, uh, that's going to conclude the show. So up next week, we're going to kick off the summer of streaming. Uh, I'm going to be uh, kind of kicking things off on Twitch. I am a total noob to streaming. So if you've been doing that in the past and you want to heckle me uh, or be nice and coach me, uh, that would be awesome. I will share a quick episode next week just with the initial plan uh, and the links if you want to follow along. Uh, but yeah, I'm really, really excited. So uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, keep, uh, keep tuned in and you'll be in the know featured music for this. Uh, we really didn't play much. We played eat my chips by Azure flux, which is the unofficial power time podcast theme song. Uh, and then we played uh, double dragon Two, mission five from the advantage. You can check out all of the links for this episode at powertimepodcast.com slash 19. And uh, of course, if you want to keep in touch and leave some feedback, a quick review on iTunes is always awesome. It helps me improve the show. Uh, it helps me also try to attract some more listeners, which helps, helps me grow the show, invest more time in the show. And if you want to follow me and interact on Twitter, you can do so at Yo Powertime, Y-O Powertime. Of course, you can check out Discord at powertimepodcast.com slash Discord if you want to hang out and chat Nintendo. Uh, but that's going to wrap up today's episode. I want to thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you for your time and your attention. I love these little memory roundup episodes. They're a ton of fun. Uh, definitely interact with me, interact with the show, share more memories. Uh, if you want to hop in one of the Twitch streams this summer, uh, watch me play a game, share some memories from that game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to do it. Uh, so remember, power players, keep on playing with power. <laughs> <laughs>